know, the book of Revelation can seem scary because you are talking about, you know, 90 pound hailstones coming down and people are hiding in rock and caves, you know, and just crazy, crazy stuff happening on the earth. But the reality is um, it's it's meant to spur us and stir us into um, hope and to living our lives now in light of the coming of Jesus, really. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Ordinary Discussions Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, we're happy to have you. Hope you become a frequent listener. If you've listened before, we welcome you back, and hopefully you've enjoyed our podcast in the in the past and enjoy this one as well. As always, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please uh, rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. We'd love to get five stars, of course, and and uh, like and subscribe and and share with your friends. Love to uh, increase our listener volume. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at this. Um, but we'd like to increase the number of people listening to our podcast. So any help you guys can can give would be would be very helpful. So, uh, but welcome back. Uh, today we have a um, a guest that you guys have uh, heard before. His name is Nate Morris. Um, you may remember him. He's the pastor of, of my church and uh, the senior pastor at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel here uh, in the Bell area. So I uh, want to welcome Nate with us. Nate, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, good. Good. Well, today our podcast is uh, just a, a softball pitch topic. Uh, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, it's, it's all about are we living in the end times? Yeah. So that's, that'd be an easy one for you to answer, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Two second answer right there. No. <laughs> yeah. I will not be answering the question. I'll be asking the questions. <clears throat> Thank God. But uh, yeah, before we get into that, uh, what's going on? Anything new with you, Nate? Uh, you know, I'm going hunting this next weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Going to be doing a little elk hunting, getting out in the woods and uh, taking my son up with me. So uh yeah, every year I try to get out for at least a few days. So looking forward to that. I know you're a big hunter as well. Um, yeah, I go a few days a year. <laughs> <laughs> I go a few months a year. No. <laughs> well, I have to say I have, I have um, in a way, designed uh, – I, I believe in lifestyle design. That's a whole other podcast, but I believe you can you, – you have a lot more say in, in, in your life than sometimes we, we believe, and you can actually design – uh, your lifestyle and ways that, that, that you enjoy. And, and so for me, you know, creating passive income was obviously in a big part to create margin in my life and, and to create the environment that would allow me to do the work of the ministry and, and, and things like ordinary men. But, uh, it was also uh, a way for me to pursue hobbies that I just love. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I just will not take the guilt that you're trying to put on me. Right now. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying anything here. <laughs> uh, no, but no. I do I do enjoy getting out in the woods. I do. Yeah, no, me too. It's it's good. It's it's uh, clears your mind a little bit. You you let go of some of the the things that might burden you. <clears throat> that you kind of get out of the uh, the politics. You get out of the um, the you know the societal pressures, all that stuff, and just you sitting there in the woods, some of the best times I've had of just sitting there waiting for the sun to come up, you know, and watching the sunrise and sitting there and not even seeing any animals, but just kind of like hanging out there in the woods, you know? So, um, it's great. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully to get a bull this year. Um, I didn't get any of the tags I put in for, which is weird because I usually get at least one of them, but, 
Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Get out and hopefully get fill the freezer with some meat and just enjoy some time with my son and just get outside. So yeah, it's great. And a bull, um, for those of you that aren't hunters, is a, a male elk. It's not a. Uh, it's not the, the like a yeah. bovine. <laughs> bovine. Just, you know, the place that I like to go is just sitting <laughs> right outside my 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 neighbor's ranch. Yeah. Just wait for the one with the big horns to walk by. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool if we could hunt cows. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I would be. I would fill the freezer for sure. You know, I think. Uh, and I'm probably giving away a great business. I, I really believe this is a great business idea. Um, really, it's just a marketing idea. But I'm amazed, no matter where I go, Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, there are there are uh, cows, um, moo cows, <laughs> like 10, 12,000 feet high in these mountains. Yeah. And they just let them free graze all summer long. Like, it's amazing. You, you, <laughs> you will hike your tail off to get away from everybody. And then you'll hear something milling through the woods and it's a cow with her calf. Yeah. And not the elk type, like the moo type. It's, it blows me away how far these things get up in the woods. And I don't know how they get, I guess they go up with horses and dogs. And I guess when one cow starts moving, they all start going together. I don't know. Right. But here's the marketing idea. Right. And I think, um, I think the yuppies would love this. (laughs) I, this is a great way for me to get people to listen to my podcast. Yeah, call them yuppies, go. right? Right. <laughs> people like that when you call them yuppies. No, I'm telling you, the 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 high class would love this. You talk about grass fed. What if you marketed that these were like mountain range? Like I'm not talking like grass fed in a fence. These are like they pretty much are wild animals nine ten months out of the year. Yeah. They're literally living in the woods. Like, man, somebody that, oh, you, you marketed that. You came up with a marketing ploy for that. Yeah. You could sell that for double the price of regular beef. Yeah, I don't know why they don't, because you're right. Oh. They are all over the place. I mean, there's, I mean, we went camping at this one spot earlier this year, and the ground everywhere was covered in just <laughs> cow poop. You know, it's yeah. like, really? Like, <laughs> they're just all over. And mm-hmm. I understand why. They because say, they, they you think know what, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Uh, they just, you know, it makes sense. They just free range their cattle and then they, they don't have to have a big ranch to, to keep them all on. But, but you're right. There seems like they should kind of monetize that somehow. Oh man. If I could eat a cow that's been in somebody's fence all year, right. In a fertilized pasture with chemicals, this and this and this, yeah. even if, you know, yeah, it's grass fed, but it's still, I mean, that pasture is being fertilized right. and so, or I could like these cows, they are super healthy. Like I'm sure they're being fed antibiotics. Well. Whatever. I, what are we talking about? The end times. Right. Hey, listen, <laughs> here's the deal. If things get bad, yeah, I can, I, I may get put in jail for it, but then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I can get some real, real good cow meat um, you there know, you beef go. Yeah. in these mountains. Right. Yeah. So just hang out <laughs> with me. I'll, I'll take, I don't even know. Fill where your freezer. Hey, here's another interesting thing. And this may be a sign of the end times. I have a, like a four pound, I don't know how big that thing is, uh, zucchini that I got today. Yeah, I saw that thing. That was crazy. <laughs> I like, mean. Like you're feeding it steroids or something, right? Well, it's, it's funny because. It's juicing. I have this small garden. We have a small garden out back that, you know, we like to call ourselves gardeners. Not quite, but, you know, whatever. And Colorado's tough because, man, the growing season is so short. Right. You really can't even put stuff out until, like, the first week of June. Yeah. I, I thought I would get all cool and try putting stuff out in May. 
and it was like growing great. Then all of a sudden, boom, yeah. cold snap. Frost comes in and kills it all. I had to start over. Yeah. So, okay, here, I thought it would be really cool this year. <clears throat> have this little section we're planting stuff in. I thought, well, I'm going to fertilize that. But I figured if a little fertilizer is good, a lot of fertilizer <laughs> is great. Okay. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, I thought that would be a great thing. So I think it's called urea, which I think is just like chicken crap. I mean, I don't think it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's all it is, like turkey poop or right. something. So I bought this urea. Uh, it's like straight nitrogen or something from from the local nursery. Actually, I think it was Home Depot. Local nursery. <laughs> very Mom and pop shop. <laughs> very niche. <laughs> and so I think it was enough to do like a quarter acre. And this little area I'm doing is like, I mean, I mean a fifth an acre. I don't know. Very small. But I put it all in there. And I'm like, man, we're going to have some great plants this year. Everything yeah. we planted would like come up and then just wither. And then die. <laughs> you poisoned it. <laughs> Except for a couple plants. And when they yeah. finally would get past that stage of almost withering, then they could like take in the nutrients, I guess. They didn't get burnt by the okay. by the nitrogen. And yeah. then they just like, they went crazy. And so this is one of those. I didn't even know it was there. And we were just cleaning up because everything here is dying now. Um, You know, mid to late October. And I guess it was under one of those huge zucchini plant uh, leaves because yeah. they're, they're giant, you know. And like all of a sudden I see this thing. It was, I mean... It was big enough that I went on Google and typed in biggest zucchini ever <laughs> just to see. How did it measure up? Not, 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 not very, very close. Not very close. Okay. I didn't have to search very long. Okay. <laughs> I realized that I didn't have what I thought I had. Yeah. It was bigger than the ones that you've, that you've eaten before, but <laughs> yeah. not quite that big. Yeah, that so was, It looked pretty big to me. If I got that, I'd be like, man, this is a massive yeah, I was, zucchini. I was proud of myself. I want, nice. every, I want everybody to know it. Yeah. So. I have a black thumb. One time I, I got a garden going. And I was actually doing pretty well at it. And the, the only time I've ever really put in the effort for a garden. And uh, just as things were starting to pop and things were starting to grow in, you know, like tomatoes starting to grow in on the vines and peppers and stuff, a big hailstorm came through <laughs> and wipes it all out. And then I just decided I'm not going to do this anymore. I like buying food at the grocery store, you know. <laughs> Is that when you were in Denver? Uh, yeah, that was in Denver. That was... Um, you know, you have a little longer growing season there, but you have in June, it's there, you're guaranteed a few hailstorms. So, yeah, it's interesting. We had uh, some hail damage to one of our cars a couple of years ago and had an adjuster come out and look at it. It was, it was an older car, and I was hoping to God that they were going to um, say it was too damaged and, and, um, yeah, and, uh, uh, what's it called? Total it. Total it. Yeah. <laughs> Not so lucky, but <clears throat> they did come out and we got a, uh, it wasn't even worth making a claim. But anyhow, this guy tells me that he stays so busy in, in, in June in Denver that like the hailstorms that come through are unbelievable. And he told me never park in an uncovered parking spot if you're flying out of Denver yeah. in the mid-May to the end of June. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's like, always pay for the garage. Right. Yeah. He's, he said he cannot tell me how many people it's like, he it was like some crazy number, like seven out of 10 calls he gets are people that got got back from an airplane and oh, their car man. was destroyed in oh, that's, Denver. That's brutal. International. Yeah, there was one year, a few years ago, my wife was driving through down there and they had this massive storm. I mean, and it was like big old hail, you know, hailstones and all kinds of damage all over. And it wasn't just roofs. I mean, the whole, one of the malls like was closed for like six months because they just crazy. pummeled the roof and flooded the mall. It was crazy. So 
This is a perfect segue into end yeah. times. Hail, giant hailstones. Are is that in Revelation? In Revelation. Is it really? Yeah. Give me the chapter and verse. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's eyes just got real big. He was like, oh, I don't know. Um, well, we can Google it or something. Uh, yeah, but that's a perfect segue, man. Hellstorms are getting worse, so it's definitely yeah. the end. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Giant zucchinis and major hailstorms. Giant zucchinis are a sign of the times. Right yes, there. yes. All right, well, let's dive into this. So, uh, But before we do that, I just want... So obviously, we're, we're going to talk about the end times. That brings up the book of the Bible, what? Revelations, obviously. And so I just believe that Revelations is one of the most misrepresented books in the Word of God. Maybe that's a fault. Maybe that doesn't make sense. But I just feel like that... I, I feel like it is. And so, Nate, before we dive into the big question, can you just tell us what Revelations is meant to be for us as believers? Um because it feels like it's only used to point us to like this devastation that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, the, I mean, we're studying the book of revelation on Sunday mornings right now, um, at our church and it's really upbeat. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No, it actually has been really great. Um, but, and we haven't really got into a lot of the, the, the end times prophecy stuff yet. Uh, we've been, you know, going through the intro and the letters to the churches and whatnot, but, um, the, one of the, the kind of the first week we talked about really the, the subject of revelation really, and the, the, the whole concept of revelation is this unveiling and it, and it talks about in the first verse, it says the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, um, just at the very beginning of the book, it's, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and the word that's used there in the Greek is this Greek word apocalypsis, which is where we get our word apocalypse, right? So when you, when you think of apocalypse, you're thinking of maybe um, a movie that you've seen, you know, maybe you're thinking of that Armageddon movie, you know, with the asteroids and comets coming and I mean, you're thinking of giant hell storms. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. But the word apocalypse actually just means to reveal, to uncover. That's what it means. And the book of Revelation is an uncovering of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's, it's revealing Jesus to us. And, um, and it's meant to give us hope really more than anything. It's to, 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 that we would live in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back and he's going to set all things right. That's really, the, that's really the message of Revelation is that we would live our lives in light of the fact that he is coming and he is going to restore and renew and recreate the world in a way that everything is going to, all the wrong is going to be undone, uh, if you will. And um, he's going to set everything straight and we're going to get to live forever with him. And that's a, that's a great hope. It's not, it's not a scary thing. You know, the book of Revelation can seem scary because you are talking about, you know, 90 pound hailstones coming down and people are hiding in rock and caves, you know, and just crazy, crazy stuff happening on the earth. But the reality is um, it's, it's meant to spur us and stir us into um, hope and to living our lives now in light of the coming of Jesus, really. <laughs> it just, when I read Revelations, uh, it, I guess, it, yeah, in the end it feels like hope. There's a portion of that that sound uh, does not feel very hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong on that. You're not wrong on that. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the here's the thing with 
you're looking at the judgments in Revelation and you're looking at the, the judgment of God poured out on the earth and it talks about the wrath of God, right? And you have the, the seven bowls, the seven seals, the seven trumpets that you see in the, the middle chapters of Revelation. Um, and the crazy thing about like it... Blood, water. Oh, yeah, oh. totally. And, and it is brutal. It's true. But this is the thing that I kind of come back to is like for God to end the world... He doesn't have to send giant hailstones. He doesn't have to set everything on fire. He doesn't have to let these plagues and things happen. All he has to do is stop holding it together. Mm. Um, it says in Colossians that in him all things consist. Literally what that means is he's holding everything together right now. And so for him to just let, to, 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 to end it all and to save the people that are going to be saved and to deliver us into eternity, all he has to do is let go. But instead, he chooses as we see in the book of Revelation and you see in Ezekiel and Daniel and these different different pictures of prophetic, you know, end times um, pictures that we see throughout the scriptures, you get this picture of God bringing judgment, yes, but even in the midst of the judgment, hundreds upon thousands of people are actually re responding to this judgment. It's like, it's really what God is doing is giving people a chance to come back to him. Now, Yes, there's judgment, and yes, there are people that are perishing, and there are, you know, the, like it's crazy stuff that's going on. But the reality is, I see this judgment of God more as God saying, hey, this is your last shot. This is it. Like, this is happening, and I'm real, and I'm giving you that warning. And, and in, we see in the book of Revelation that it says that during the time of the tribulation, so when, when we see all of these plagues and all of these things happen, that billions of people are going to come to know the Lord. And it's through that process of experiencing those, those um, um, plagues and stuff that they're going to come to know the Lord, which is just kind of crazy to think about. Um, for me, I don't want to be, you know, forced to, to, to come to know the Lord under watching giant hailstones fall from the sky. But I already know him. I can just skip <laughs> yeah, it all. I know, right? That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. But but it, in, a, in a weird, hard-to-understand way, it's almost the grace of God by not just wiping them out, mm. you know, and giving that, that chance. And it says that an angel is going to fly around the earth saying, declaring the gospel to all the tribes of the earth, and everybody's going to hear it. And um, it's, it, it's, it's like a final chance, a final warning, you know. And, um, and I think kind of rewinding to the question at the beginning that you asked was, you know, are we in the end times? And... Um, and that is an easy answer to that. Yes and no. <laughs> I said I'd give you a two-second answer, right? That's it. Uh, that's exactly it right there. Yes, we are, and no, we're not. Uh, you, sound I, like, you sound like Biden and Trump. Yeah. Yes, no. <laughs> okay. yes, like every debate, yes, no. Yeah. That's what you sound like I, right I now. I sound like a lawyer. I want to have it both ways, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, more like a politician. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's not busting um, your chops. It's you know that I think that the reality is yes, we are in the end times, but we've been in the end times since Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and when you look at this, the scriptures, you know, you see this picture that unfolds. Um, and the best way that I could really look at it is, um, you know, David Guzik, who is a he's a Bible commentator and um, really, really knowledgeable on a lot of this stuff. I mean, he's a great mind. If any of you are ever looking for like really studying the scriptures a little bit. He's got a great Bible commentary called the Enduring Word Bible Commentary. You can go to EnduringWord.com, I believe is his website, and you can dig. He's got the whole Bible 
uh, commentated on and really good resource. But uh, anyways, I had him on my podcast a while back and he, he said that, that it's almost like all of history was running towards the end times for, you know, up until Jesus, just running directly at this end point, right? As if you're running to the finish line. And then after the resurrection and after the, the events that happened surrounding that early church, it's like reached the, the finish line. And then now we're running along parallel to that finish line, ready to jump over at any time. Mm. Um, and so, yes, we are in the end times. There's the, the, the early church expected Jesus to come back in their lifetimes. I mean, Paul, the apostle expected Christ to come back in, uh, in his lifetime. Um, and it wasn't that, that God told him that was going to happen, but he just, he had that expectation because he, um, he saw the prophetic fulfillment of everything else. Now, of course, living in today's world, there are a lot more things that have happened that have unfolded since then that say, yes, we are one step closer to the end times for sure where we are one step closer um the nation of israel becoming a nation again after two thousand years i mean that's a big step towards you know the end times for sure mm -hmm. israel is a big player in end times prophecy um so that's one a lot of the stuff that's going on in our world and political climate uh, definitely says that we're there but um and it's not in the sense that i would look at this and say well we're in the middle of the book of revelation right now and you know this is um, this is all definitely happening tomorrow or next week or something like that. You know, um, I, I think Jesus could come back tomorrow. I also think it could be a decade, two decades from now. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yeah, I mean, that's the confusing part, right? Is like, what, what is the definition of end times <clears throat> for me? And, and again, I, this is not a pot. This podcast will not be about debating, um, pre-trib, post-trib, I guess there's another stance to, um, not to put you on the spot, Nate, but like Revelations was written for the Jews. Yeah, there's, like, there's lots of different... What's that called? Uh, maybe there's a word there's, for it. There's lots of different um, views on the book of Revelation. Um, and really, I, I think... And so, some of them are, are what I would consider biblical views, and some of them are not. Um, but... The, 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 there's four main views of the book of Revelation. And so there's the, um, what's called the preterist view of the book of Revelation that, and that, that is, sounds tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's all these theological terms. Preterist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I may just adopt that because it sounds cool. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and that, that approach believes that Revelation dealt only with the church in John the Apostle's day, that it was written like this kind of secret message and code for, those believers to encourage them in the midst of the crazy struggle that they were in. Um, I don't th see that because Jesus says he's talking about the things that are to come. Right. But there's another one that's called the historicist view. And that views revelation as this kind of allegory for the church throughout history. And it's really makes it all kind of allegorical. And the, the third one is this poetic view of revelation that it's all just um, kind of pictures and symbols intended to encourage persecuted Christians. Um, and all of those have a little bit of merit, but I think that the fourth one is the one that I really believe that most Christians should hold to. Uh, and within that fourth view, there's a lot of, there's a lot of diversity even in that. I mean, the pre-trib and post-trib and all that stuff is part of this fourth view. Wow. But that fourth one is the futurist view, basically that it's the only view that believes that revelation details stuff that's still to come. Um, 
And well, there's a lot of dissension within the oh, futures. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I say we're gonna we're gonna zoom in on that one, right? Like yeah. if, we're, if we're getting into the poetic view or the preterist view and some of those other ones, we could spend weeks talking about the differences between those. But within the futurist view, I mean, there's different camps, right? There's people that say um, there's really only one coming of Christ, and it's at the end of tribulation. There's those that say that there's, you know, it's pre-trib and post-trib and the millennialism and amillennialism. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? But pulling back from all of that specifics, I think if we say this is talking about what is to come, um, that we can say, is it coming now? You know, I think we can agree on some of the basics of this about like, is this happening right now? Is, are we in the middle of this right now? Um, or is it something that we're looking forward to? Yeah. And most most of the the reputable Bible commentators that I that I know of really look at the situation that we're in and say that there's nothing left prophetically that needs to happen. Oh, real, uh, everything prophetically has happened that that is necessary for now. There's stuff that we see that lines up with prop. I mean, if you look at Ezekiel chapter 38, go read that. That's some crazy stuff right there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go read Ezekiel 38. That's your homework if you're listening. There's some crazy stuff in that book and then in that prophecy. Um, but you see things that are lining up with our society and culture today. But for Christ to, for this, for the, the events of the tribulation to, to take place for what I believe to be the, the, the coming of Christ in, in the rapture. But I mean, if you don't want to have a pre-trib rapture view, that's fine. I still think that this still applies. Um, that there's no prophecy remaining that needs to be fulfilled before that can happen. Was was the uh, moving the embassy to Jerusalem part of that, or was that still not? Was that not something that had to happen? See, that's th- this is where I think some people get a little bit too focused on specific details and trying to link it back. It's the to only Bible detail prophecy. I know. I was just trying to sound so, smart. Well, no, <laughs> I think no, that's a great point. It's a great point because a lot of people have said, "Oh, this is super prophetic." And well, well, the reason I asked that is because it just happened, right? Yeah. And so that would be very interesting if that was one of the views that had to happen in order for Jesus to come back according to Revelations and it just took place. Right. But I don't understand how that could be the case if people back in the 1800s thought he was coming back. Yeah, and people in the 1st century thought he was coming back. And sure. that's that's kind of where I mean I think it is it is significant from a prophetic standpoint to to say that Jerusalem is being recognized as the capital of Israel, and probably more significant is that Israel exists as a country again, you know. Um, but everything that needed to happen in order to see the 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 end times as we know it in the scriptures come about, everything that needed to happen was fulfilled in the first century. And I'm I'm really putting you on the spot. And I I know you don't profess to be an expert in revelations, although, I mean, you are my pastor, so you better be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All jokes aside, do you know, uh, I I have no clue. Do you know what those are? Like, what what are some of those prophecies that had to take place in order for the fulfillment? Of Jesus coming back. Well, a lot of it, um, if you look at Daniel chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine is a great place to start that really details a lot of the end times um, prophecies had to deal with the nation of Israel and God's dealings with the nation of Israel. And if you look in Daniel chapter nine, you see this prophet prophetic timeline from when Israel's reinstated as a nation um, as they're coming back from Babylon. 
And it says that from the time that that happens until the Messiah comes is like 483 years, I think, or something like that. Um, and if you look at that timeline, that lines up with when Jesus came. And then it says there's a seven-year period at the end of that chapter that it talks about um, that we see correlates with the, the seven-year tribulation in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And that was put on pause the moment that the Messiah came, right? So the, Jesus came, the Messiah came and fulfilled that Daniel chapter 9 prophecy. And essentially that fulfilled all of the prophecy that happened up to that point. God's dealing with the nation of Israel. And now we're in what's called the church age. Um, and then at some point, you know, as we're running alongside that finish line, right, it's going to jump over and we'll finish those final seven years of God dealing with the nation of Israel. Because God's not done with Israel yet as a nation, right? Um, obviously, they have to believe in the Messiah to be saved. It's not that they're saved because they're Jews or they're, they're the nation of Israel, but he has a plan that still exists for the nation of Israel that we see in Daniel chapter um, and that in, in Daniel chapter nine, and then also in Revelation, the book of Revelation, it, it talks a lot about um, the the nation of Israel through these chapters here and how they're going to turn to the Messiah. So yeah, and, and <clears throat> obviously, correct me if I'm saying anything off kilter here, but as I was, I read Revelations just uh, probably I don't know earlier this year, and I read along with uh, alongside of um, through the Bible with Vernon McGee, which is a, a light yeah. light commentary. It's, yeah, totally. But, but it's helpful for the common person like myself. I always recommend Through the Bible with Vernon McGee. Uh, it's, it's a great way to read the Word. And, and it's a commentary that the average person like myself can can grab a hold of and still uh, get good knowledge from, I yeah. feel like. Oh, he's great. Jay Vernon McGee is great. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a little... Uh, he's a little I like it. He's, he's, he's old he's, school, for sure. He's pretty old school, harsh at times, but yeah, I think he just says it as it is. It almost... And again... Correct me if I'm wrong. It almost felt like to me as I was reading that, that the end times were as as brutal and terrible as they sound, as you were saying before. It's it's like a last chance. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to do everything I can to, to, to make, to, to allow you to turn. Right. <clears throat> but it even seemed more so for the nation of Israel than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like, I love you so much. And this, I, I know that sounds crazy. To, it just seems yeah. crazy. I feel stupid even saying it, but it's almost like I love you so much that I'm going to do everything I can, even if, it, if hardship is what it takes to give you eternal life. I mean, think about right. that in the context of eternal life. Yeah. None of this is that bad when we think of it in context of it's to gain eternal life. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I thought I felt like what you were saying. It, it it's it, it's it's less punitive than it may sound. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 10 that, that w right now we're in what he describes as the, the time of the Gentiles. Um, until the, and he says, once the full number of the Gentiles has come in, all Israel will be saved. That's what Paul says. So really, the, the end times are intricately tied with the nation of Israel. And that's why Jerusalem, embassy moving to Jerusalem is significant. It's not, it's not something that's prophesied in Scripture. But it's significant because it has to do with the nation of Israel and the end times are God's dealing with the nation of Israel because, you know, they were his chosen people. They brought the Messiah and God wasn't suddenly done with Israel just because the Messiah came, right? There was, they, they, he has unfinished business with them as Paul talks about in Romans 9 and 10. And, um, and that's exactly what it is. In Daniel chapter 9, you see that 
seven years where you have the Antichrist come up. But then what it says in Revelation is that they're going to look on him whom they've pierced and they're going to mourn because of it because they're going to see, oh, we missed it. We Mm. missed the day of our visitation and they're going to turn to the Lord, you know, and that's, that's really what, when you look exactly what you said, when you look through the middle of the book of Revelation, it's not in the church age anymore. And this is part of why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but we're not talking about that today. Um, But when you look through the middle of the book of Revelation, it really is about God reconciling people to himself, but even more so him wrapping up his dealings with the nation of Israel and Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, it's time to come back. You know, it's time to come home. Yeah. Again, this isn't a podcast to like try to, make arguments, but that's what, I mean, Burnham McGee says the same. He, he believes that, uh, again, it doesn't matter. It, uh, the last thing we want to do is alienate anybody. If you Absolutely. don't believe this way, that's fine. Yeah. These are, these are, th- I'll tell you one thing that drives me nuts is, is Christians arguing as if they know things that are unknowable. Totally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. That's great. If you want to talk about it, that's fine. You can have right. your opinion, yeah. but you can't talk about it as if it's fact Right. This is not, we don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. And that drives me bonkers. It's like the pride of man has caused so much uh, dissension between people. Yeah. It's, if we're dividing crazy. over these issues and we're missing oh, the boat. for sure. <laughs> but with that said, Vernon McGee just makes the argument that, you know, Jesus says the church is the bride of Christ. And, and he also throughout the word of God, uh, uh compares, um, the love of the church and the bride and, and such. And, and, and nowhere does he see, that, that Christ would want to put the church through that. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, maybe it's just the easy way to believe, because I don't really want to believe that I'm going to somehow live through the tribulation. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. So if I can choose one that gives me a little more peace, I'm going to choose that one, right? Yeah. Um, but anyhow, again, that's not why we're uh, what we want to talk about. I just want, I mean, more or less, this is a great conversation, by the way. Uh, it just seems like I have heard, even more than any other time in my life, like, these are the end times. These are the end times. Like, uh, it, it, God's coming back. I've even heard some people that are friends of mine, like almost going off in the deep end with it. It's like, and that's fine if you are. I mean, maybe you're right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But if you are right, it's because you're guessing, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Newsflash. Um, and so, uh, you know, no no one knows. Uh, the Bible says that the day or the time. Right. We may know the season. And I think it's important to know the season, but I, yeah. but I don't think anybody knows. But anyhow, I just feel like, um, more now than ever, I'm hearing this uh, constant buzz about it. So I just kind of wanted to bring somebody into the show uh, that has much more knowledge about Revelations than me and just kind of, yeah, talk about like what has to happen in order for it. You're saying nothing has to happen. And when I say end times, I'm saying the second coming of Christ. Yeah. Uh, so for me, if that's pre-trib, then I mean, whatever. That's yeah. what I'm calling end time. Yeah, and we could say the second coming of Christ or the beginning of the tribulation period. I think yes. for those, I, I have friends, so I, I don't really want to argue for the pre-trib position. That's not really the point here. Um, but I have friends that believe that the rapture is going to re- occur mid-tribulation. You know, some believe that's... Oh, pre- super pre- smart people. Oh, yeah. Pre-wrath 100%. believers, post-trib. And those are all biblical views. So don't get me wrong when I'm saying this. Personally, I believe it, because of many things, the pre-tribulation position, and we can talk about that another time. But I think when... What, let's take the tribulation... Let's take the, the, the rapture out of the picture, uh, the catching up to Christ out of the picture, and just say the beginning of, of the, the tribulation period, that seven-year period on the earth or however you want to look at that. Um, prophetically, nothing is required to happen for that to, to take place. Um, and, and the apostles in Jesus's day and afterwards expected him to return at any moment. And 
you know, um, the early church expected him to return at any moment. In fact, it was a constant part of their, their things that they would say and, and hymns that they would sing in church. And, um, so obviously when we look at the world today, the world that we see today looks a lot more like what you see in Ezekiel chapter 38 and what you see in Daniel chapter nine and some of these different pictures where it's like, yeah, this could be, this could be adding up to being closer to the picture of the world that we see well, in the book every of Revelation. second is yeah. closer. <laughs> oh, it is absolutely. So when we look at the world today, it's like, yeah, this looks closer. This looks like, yeah, this is going on in Israel and, and Iran and Russia are in cahoots together. And that's, you see that in, in Ezekiel and you see that in Daniel. And this is all stuff that's like, yeah, this looks a lot like the day that the, the world is going to look like in the end times. Um, but none of those things are like, we're not waiting for this specific, a specific prophecy to happen before, um, it's going to happen. I then what are the arguments against it? Against? Um, it happening sooner rather than later. I mean, I've heard like, I think I heard you say on your podcast something like, they say it's going to be a time of peace. And Yeah. I, like think, I, hear, I hear that a lot. Like people are like, well, it's, I don't even know where it's at in Revelations, but apparently yeah, there's going to be a time of peace. Well, I think the, um, the, the arguments against, the arguments for it in my mind, I mean, it's like, Yes, come Lord Jesus any day. It could happen any day. I, obviously, it's closer today than it was 10 years ago. You know. Yeah, but, but you take the stance. You don't think it, it's like right around the corner. I, mean, I, I don't I, think I'm that, not trying to put words in your mouth. No, but no, you I, feel like there's some things that... I think that it, right now, um, a lot of people in this year with COVID and 2020 and all the craziness that's happened and the political climate and the way that people are treating each other and the fires and everything that's happened, people are saying oh, this is the end times. And I think when I look at this year, I, I look at when Jesus said, yeah, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and there's going to be all these things. That's just the birth pangs. That's just the beginning of it all. And that's, that's in Matthew chapter 24. If anybody wants to look that up, you can see that. He said that that's just the beginning, but the end is not yet. Um, he says that. And that's been going on since Jesus' day. All that stuff's been happening. Wars, rumors of wars. The thing that I, for me says that maybe it's not right now. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's, if it is, it, it could be tomorrow. Like prophetically, nothing remains for it not to be tomorrow that, that Christ comes back for his church and the tribulation starts. But um, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, um, it says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So for me, it's like, I look at the world today and people are not saying peace and safety, you know, and maybe, maybe that's just because we've got a first world problem mindset, you know, about like we're, we're in, um, you know, America and everything's good and everything's nice and all that stuff. And, and like the first world problems that we have of COVID lockdowns and stuff like that feels like a, a lot of mess going on, but, but I don't look at the world and say peace and safety right now, you know, and, and like I said, that doesn't mean that he's not coming back tomorrow. He totally could. But I, I don't take 2020 to say, oh, this means the end times. That's that's what I would yeah. say. I don't know that I do either. I But I do think, I've heard that that um, the whole peace argument, like we're not in peace. I, I don't know. I would push back against that and say that we probably are. Yeah, there's some stuff uh, rising in America and cities and such. But I mean, if you look at major conflicts, like wars, like there's not really yeah, anything there's happening. No, there's right no now. world war right now, for sure. Yeah, there's not anything. I mean, I just Googled it. There's like a couple that I haven't even heard of, like these, these like Syrian civil war. 
Mexican drug war. <laughs> That's actually considered a war on Wikipedia. Yeah. I guess 10,000 deaths or more. In a, in a year of battle is considered a war. So, wow, that's, yeah. that's interesting. A Mexican drug war. But, like, the Yemen, Yemeni crisis and Afghanistan conflict are the, the only four listed. I just think back to, like, man, if you – yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like – I think COVID's a real deal, obviously. <laughs> I've had it. I have the uh, I have the um, antibody test to prove it. Yeah. I've, I've had it. My wife had it. It's It's legit. <laughs> But I think, like, when we think about, like, hardship and strife, I don't think COVID's it. <laughs> I just yeah. don't. I, I think it's a – if there's ever a um, a softball pitch of, a, of a, a test drive of a virus, I mean, this one's it. Um, I, mean, I was talking to my wife the other day. Imagine if COVID and, – and not that – this is going to sound terrible. You, you have to know my heart. Not that the elderly aren't important, okay? Right. But, like – when somebody 85 passes away that already has a lot of condition, like it's sad, but it's like, you know, we're all going to die at some point. Imagine if this thing was attacking five years and younger kids, like imagine yeah. that was the population that was most vulnerable. Right. I mean, there, there's just so many things about this disease that could be so much worse. And so I, yeah, it doesn't, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I guess I'm just saying, um, every day I think we're getting closer. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I've just never been one to try to predict yeah. It doesn't really matter. And is that is that wrong for me to say that? It doesn't really matter that much to me. No, I don't. Does that make me non bad Christian? I think that people can get really off base by getting too caught up in eschatology. Eschatology is just the word for study of the end times. Yeah, I knew that. But I think people can get super caught up in this so much so that they miss living for Jesus in the rest of their mm. life. And that's, that's what I would say that we get wrong. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about specifics and people get really interested in this and all that stuff. And I think, like I said, I, I look at this year and it could happen tomorrow. I don't think that 2020 is a guarantee. Like this is it. It's coming. I don't look at this year and say, this is it. That's, that's not what I see. Um, I think it could be tomorrow. I mean, it, absolutely. But it also could be next year or 10 years or whatever. And so for me, it's a little bit less about um, trying to figure it out, and it's more about the message that Jesus communicated and that Paul the Apostle communicated and that all of the, the apostles communicated, and that is be ready for it at any mm. time, right? That we should be ready and live as if it's happening tomorrow, today, yeah. right? And so, so for me, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't actually spend a lot of time looking and trying to figure out all the prophetic signs and all that stuff. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time pretty, doing that. You're pretty knowledgeable, though, for not spending a lot of time. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I'm going to call bunk on that one. Well, I, I, <laughs> no, I'm I, joking. At least not recently. <laughs> but but I, think, I, I think we can get so theological in our study of the end times that we miss... Yes. The point of yeah. why we have it. That's right. We have it to tell us that we should be living for Jesus, really, yeah. and that we should be living for, not for this earth, but for the kingdom, right? And that we should be living in light of that. And so... Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think it matters um, that to know if we are in the end time? Like, why does it even matter? Like, for a believer... Okay, so let's say I go even more far in my view, whatever, if that's left or right, I don't know, but more far in that way. And it's like, I don't even care. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to talk to you about revelations. Why, why, why should it matter? Well, it, it should matter because it's there. It's, it's in the book. You know what I mean? It's, he didn't give us, he didn't give us 
the prophetic books of Ezekiel and Daniel and the different, you know, ones in the Old Testament. And he didn't give us the book of Revelation for no reason. Um, it's there for a reason. And he does want us to understand, you know, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, he says, I'm giving you this to communicate to you the things that were, the things that mm -hmm. are, and the things that are going to take place after this. He wants us to understand this. It's not meant to be totally out of our wheelhouse. Now, of course, we're looking at it and it's, and we're not going to see the whole picture clearly because it's prophecy and it's yeah. murky at times. But he wants us to have a heart that says Jesus is coming back. We're not just living endlessly in this random world that, you mm -hmm. know, is who knows what's going to happen um, and to live for that. So that's why it's important on the one side, right? On the other yeah. side, you can make it too important, like I said before, and you could just put too much energy on it. But it is important because we, we want to look towards living our lives in a way that recognizes that and honors him in that. So then what, so with that in mind, what advice would you give somebody like myself or our listeners, the ordinary person, right? On how to study end times, revelations, Ezekiel, Daniel, all those pretty yeah. deep things, those, those deep uh, books and prophecies. How would you, wh what advice would you give us on how to study those without allowing it to also become so consuming that we're, almost like worthless. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's the same thing that we can do with a lot of other theological topics. I mean, you can do it with your study of Calvinism versus Arminianism and which is, which is whether we chose God or God chose us. <laughs> well, we're not talking about that today, <laughs> right? You, you can, you can do it with, with, with your study of whether the gifts are for today or not. You can, you can get so, wrapped up in theological knowledge that you I know what miss. we should do. We should argue those points. Okay. And then just make it believe like we know. Okay. Yeah. And then somebody else makes it believe like they know, and then just become so prideful in it that we create a bunch of denominations around it and separation in the church. Exactly that would be it. cool. We should do that. That's exactly. It, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, when people start arguing, I don't know I'm going down a sidetrack here, Yeah. but it's like crazy to me. It's like, why would you, create any any separation between yourself and another because you believe one way about a mystery in the word of god i mean the word of god says it's full of mystery it's it says it over and over again i don't know the exact scripture but i know it's there yeah i've read it it's like some of it's a mystery like we don't have to be all knowing and it's okay if somebody doesn't agree exactly the way you do but my gosh why do we create i mean it's exactly why we have denominations today for the most part i believe it's just a pride of man thing Absolutely. I just want, yeah, whatever. We're not no. going to get into all well, that. Well, and I think, I, I think it's good to touch on it though, because I think that really the reality is that people do that with this too. People do that with revelation. People do that with, with so many issues and knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's mm. what the scripture says. That's it. Yep. And, and knowledge is good. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to know about all of these things, but if that knowledge doesn't translate into me living my life in a way that builds up others and, and falls more in love with Jesus and lives out in a way that, that reaches people for him and spurs on discipleship, then my knowledge is worthless. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what Paul said. And he said, everything that I knew before, he, he was one of the most l learned, you know, uh, rabbis in, yeah. in Israel, everything I knew before I counted as rubbish that I may know Christ. Mm. Right. And that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so, and that's the point of revelation that he told us from the very beginning, the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? Um, it's the revelation of him and it's where to learn his character. It's not about 
picking apart the the minutia. It's about learning yeah. about him and letting him change our life because we see he is going to make everything new. You know, he's going to bring everything back to fruition and, and it's going to be better than the Garden of Eden because it was broken. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I feel like I need to say something based on what I just said, especially in the day and age of relative truth. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that the word of God is a relative truth and one person's truth is right and, every, and the other person's truth is right. Absolutely not. There is cut and dry, black and white. This is truth. This is not in the word of God. Right. There are other things that are mysteries. Yes. And my point was we should not be creating division around these mysteries and allow ourselves to think that we are so smart that someone else can't have a viewpoint other than us and still worship with us. Th- that's just silliness. Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to say Jesus wasn't born uh, or Mary wasn't, didn't give birth as a virgin, well, then we have issue because the right. Bible is very clear on that. Yeah. Right. If somebody wants to say Jesus didn't rise on the third day, we have issues with that. There's an absolute truth in that. So I, j- I just want to be really clear to anybody listening that they're, they're not, that they didn't hear me say that there's a, a level of truth that, that we can all have. Absolutely not. My point is we just need to be willing to understand. Issues. Yeah, absolutely. Doctrines of men that divide. And that's what Paul talks about in Colossians. Like we don't want to take as the word of God doctrines of men that divide on things that are unclear or, yeah. or things that, um, that may seem clear but are not essential, right? The that's essential right. doctrines. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, I feel like we could go on and on on this, but we've already been going at it for like 45 minutes, I know. believe it or not. One but, last thought for anybody that's curious yeah, uh, um, to dig into this more. There's a good book um, written by Pastor Chuck Smith uh, called The Final Act that really makes it kind of accessible in plain language. Um, the stuff that leads up to the to what we see in the book of Revelation, that's a good resource. Um, what was it again? It's called The Final Act by Pastor Chuck Smith. You can get it on Amazon or whatever. Um, also, like I said before, David Guzik is a good re- resource and you can look through his website and he has a commentary on the book of revelation and also Ezekiel and those things you can look through those as well. So awesome. One last question. This is a probably <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is the USA not mentioned in, I mean, is it nowhere in revelation? Oh yeah. Um, that it's somewhat debatable, but really probably not. And what does that mean to you? I know this is opinion. To me, that means that we are not the center of the world like we think we are. <laughs> I mean, I guess, don't get me wrong. I love America. I love living here, but... You hate it. You burn the flag. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that we have, we have this... We do have an, we have an American pride about us that thinks that we're the center of God's plan for everything. And the reality is, in the big picture, we're not. That doesn't mean that America won't be here in the end times. I, I mean... It might not be. I mean, it might, we, might, we might be out 100, 200 years and America might not exist anymore and the rest of this stuff happens without us, but um, we're not a major player in it, at least, you know, in that sense. So Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I spent um, 10 days in Israel last year. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't care if you believe in God or not. I don't care if you uh, practice religion or not. Go to Israel, spend time in Jerusalem, and tell me that there's not something going on there. Yeah. I mean, that feels like the center of the world. Oh, yeah. And it's not because it's some great metropolis or because it's got huge skyscrapers or because it's the financial capital of the world. 
Right. But because everybody since since the beginning of time has been fighting for the same spot. Yeah. Same tiny little piece of ground. And it's like there's more not everybody in history has not been stupid. There's more to it than than just like, oh, these people are religious, you know, idiots. Right. No, I, you cannot go there. I mean, go with an open mind. You cannot go there with an open mind and leave and say, wow, there's something significant about this spot. Yeah. I was amazed by it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I was amazed because I'm like, I'm on the south steps of the temple where Jesus, right, like walked in, and where, yeah. you know, was it five thousand or three thousand got baptized at Pentecost? Three thousand. Three thousand got saved. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a, th- I don't know, three or five thousand got baptized in a day, and they think that's where it happened, like, because there was all these, um, there was a ritual before you went in the temple, you had to bathe. And so that was, there was all these pools and that's where that, that could happen. Like you're standing on that ground. Like you're like, oh my gosh, I'm looking across at the Mount of Olives where Jesus was taken up, where he was weeping, uh, sweating blood and pray. It's just like, of course, as a believer in Christ, that is a very significant place. Right. But take that away, <clears throat> which is taking everything away from me, but take that away and you cannot you can't go there and not realize that there is something significant that's happened there and there is something significant going to happen there. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, 200 years ago, you know, um, people would have looked at the middle East at, at Israel, what, you know, what it was then and said, why would anybody fight over that? In fact, they were saying that in, in the commentaries mm-hmm. in, in the, the, the 16 to 1800s, people are saying, yeah, this must all be, a lot of this talk about Israel must be allegory for the church because who would fight over that land? But now we know like, okay, everything's like, that's the center of the world, <laughs> you it know? Is. It so, is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Nate, I thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Your knowledge is immense and, uh, and much needed, I'm sure uh, you'll be a guest, hopefully, if you will say yes frequently Never. on our show. <laughs> uh, you bring a, a level of knowledge that I certainly don't have, and and I think um, it is very helpful for all of us. So, well, guys, as I wrap up today's uh, podcast, I'd just like to close uh, with a question. And um, the question is, if I told you that God would return in two months, would that change the way you live? Because I think that is really what we've talked about for the last 45 minutes. We talked around this issue as Jesus coming back. It's at the end of times. And and I really believe the reason people really want to know that is they're trying to time it. Because they want to make sure that they're right before God when that happens. Or they have their house in order. Or they try, uh, some people it may be, to make sure that they can weather the storm better. Well, trust me, if, if, if what I read in Revelations happens, you can be the biggest hoarder in the world and you ain't weathering it. So the real question is, if I told you that God was coming back in two months, would that change the way you live? And I think for most of us, it would. However, the real question is why? Why would it change the way that you're living? Because God is coming back in two months. Why would that change the way you're living? <clears throat> and, sh- and shouldn't we be living with that same urgency every day. Cause I would say most people's lives would change because they would, they would live with a, with a different level of urgency with their family, but even more so towards God. And so shouldn't we be living this way already every day? And so tomorrow will be the same. Well, well, tomorrow will be the end time for many people, regardless of their turn of Christ. Many people 
I don't know, probably thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people will die tomorrow. And that is their end time. It doesn't matter what Revelation says to those people. When they pass, their, their, their time is ended. And so that's regardless of the return of Christ or not. Their eternity is at stake. And for those of you that would live life differently because you are flirting with sin or living contrary to how you know the Word of God has called you to live, uh, the urgency is the same for you as well. Your life is but a vapor, as the Word of God says. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But eternity is at stake. So the real challenge in this thought of end of times for me, and I believe for you, is not when will it happen, but it's why would I live differently today knowing the end is coming than I would not knowing it's coming because the urgency is the same. So that's the big takeaway for me is I need to live life with urgency. I need to live life as if uh, tomorrow is the last day for somebody that I may be speaking to that doesn't know Christ. It could be their it could be their end of times, and the sin that I'm flirting with, or the the way that I'm I'm acting out, um, is not something that I should be putting off because my end could come tomorrow too, uh, or it could come because Jesus comes back. But the the urgency should not change, and we shouldn't live life differently based on the fact that we know Jesus is coming back tomorrow, or he's not, or in two months, or he's not. As believers, we should have the same urgency every day. So let's pursue the Lord in that urgency. Let's pursue Let's pursue advancing the kingdom with that type of urgency and, um, and, see, and see what he can do with our lives. So until next time, uh, I appreciate you guys.